I'm going to start our recording now. Uh, over here on this side, we would put man, right? Over on this side, we would put God. Up here, Jesus. And decision, right? Under man, we have a number of points that we can follow. Um, we were created in God's image. We are sinners by nature, thought, and action. We deserve death and separation from God, and we are helpless to save ourselves. But if we move over to God, uh, and I might say this, because of everything that we are, because of our sinfulness, um, we are separated from God in such a way that we can't reach God. And, and any attempt that we would make would be futile on our part. So there's this deep chasm between and death is below. On, uh, under God, we have he loved us in our sinful state. He is uncompromisingly holy. He administrates justice. And he sent his son to rescue mankind. Then we move up to Jesus. And there he is both God and man. Didn't Pastor Chuck do a wonderful job with his devotional today? Wow. Wow. Um, he died as our substitute. Uh, substitute sin bearer as the Lamb of God and he also rose again and he provided spiritual and physical life as a free gift then we move to us and we have the decision to make we can respond in faith we can ask God to apply Jesus shed blood to our sin and we then would be spiritually transformed okay so that's the bridge illustration now, that's a, a simple, a fairly well-known gospel presentation, right? You can, you can draw, uh, draw this out, sketch it out on a napkin at a restaurant when you're talking to a friend, right? Okay, not, not particularly uh, uh, difficult. We, you probably wouldn't remember all of the points, but the illustration is clear, and it helps us get to the, uh, to the question whether or not our friend or our family member might be willing to trust in Christ. Okay, so turn to the second page. Now, let me ask you this question. Whoop, that's the wrong page. How would a gospel presentation from the Old Testament differ from a gospel presentation of the New Testament? Or how would it resemble a gospel presentation from the New Testament? So, in other words, can we go to the Old Testament? And in fact, would it be advisable for us to go to the Old Testament and do a man, God, Jesus decision kind of layout? And as I work through this material, and it took me a number of hours yesterday. I was thinking, you know, this doesn't really jive. 
as I'm looking at the Old Testament and the scriptures that Paul probably was using, or John, uh, or Peter, or any of uh, the apostles in the in the uh, first century, I'm, I think we might have to change the diagram. But let's go through it, okay? So I would start with the righteous Lord. The Lord is the Lord God is delightfully holy. He's good and charitable, and he's righteous. Do you like that delightfully holy business? I I wanted that word because oftentimes holiness has a negative connotation to it. Oh, he's you know holier than thou or or that kind of thing. Uh, God is delightfully holy. This is a positive characteristic of God. Uh, we should not in any way demean God for being perfect in holy in holiness. Okay, this is this is a good thing that He's holy. Now, um, it intimidates us, and it even brings judgment upon us. That's our problem. That's not God's problem. Okay. So God is delightfully holy. Let's look at some of these passages. So open your Bibles. To Leviticus 19. <laughs> now, think with me through the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. In Genesis, we have kind of the uh, philosopher, the philosophical and historical setting of the whole world. We've got creation. Um, we have the uh, um, the fall of man. We have the dividing of the descendants of Adam and Eve into what would seem to be two families, the line of Cain, the line of Seth. One is godly, the other decidedly not. But even after eight, ten generations, Seth's line is ungodly. And God tells us, uh, or God is recorded um, in chapter 6 of Genesis as saying their wickedness is, is, uh, is exceedingly um, uh, permanent. It, it, uh, it happens all of the time. They won't get away from it. And he decides to send a flood. Uh, so, Eight people are saved. All of the rest of mankind dies. And then we get to Abram and Isaac and Jacob and the 12 sons of Jacob. And so Genesis is, is, is giving us a story that gives us not only the philosophical, the creation story, the division of the races, and then the uh, the fall not only of man, but then the fall of the race and the destruction of the race. Then we come to hope with one man and his descendants. We get to Exodus, and his uh, Abram's family is brought out of Egypt. They enter into covenant with God at Mount Sinai. Um, they are given the law, and the book of Leviticus 
believe it or not, by the Jews is read more than Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, or Deuteronomy. Leviticus is the most important book in the Torah. Because, now for, for us Christians, we think, well, that's hard, that's hard reading. It's kind of boring. I mean, you've got seven chapters of offerings at the beginning and um, uh, it, so forth and so on. There, there are uh, unclean uh, issues of uncleanness and cleanness and, and all of that, that that are in the book. But this is where the Jews uh, do so much of, of Judaism. This is where they get Judaism. It's out of the book of Leviticus. So I bring all of that up. Because God says to them in 19, 1 and 2, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Uh, turn to Psalm 99. I'm just picking some of the passages uh, under these captions. The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim. Let the earth quake. Wow. <laughs> well, that's the way to start a psalm, isn't it? The Lord is great in Zion. He's exalted over all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. Wow. Wow. Um, Sing it, brother. You know, lift your voices, choir. Um, Get with this. The king in his might loves justice. You have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God. Worship at his footstool holy is he Moses and Aaron were among his priests Samuel also among those who called upon his name they called to the Lord and he answered them in the pillar of the cloud he spoke to them they kept his testimonies and the statute that he gave them O Lord our God you answered them you were a forgiving God to them but an avenger of their wrongdoings Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. So when we want to create a gospel presentation from the Old Testament scriptures, we need to start with who God is. God's holy. He's positively and wonderfully, delightfully holy. He's attractively holy. You and I have all been uh, victims of someone who mistreated us. And we want to withdraw. We want to find refuge. We want to escape the abuse. But when we're in the presence of someone who is so perfectly and delightfully holy, it's like, well, I can't get close enough to this. In fact, dare I even come close to this person? That's the way God is. Um, I also say here that he is good and charitable. And this is one of those qualities of God um, 
that Satan missed. And he forever will not experience the goodness and the charity of God. My wife doesn't want me to use a couple of words, so I'm not going to use a couple of those words. Uh, what words are those? I, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to use synonyms. Biblical story. And now she knows what I'm talking about. Canonical drama. Ah. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> Oh, my. That's not the words Rita keeps me from saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Exodus 34. <laughs> Exodus 34, and let's read verses 6 and 7. Again, this is, we've seen this. You've looked at this. You know this passage. This is God's self-revelation to Moses uh, after the... Um, golden calf incident. (coughs) Moses cut two tables of stone like the first, and he rose early in the morning, that's verse 4, and went up on Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him, and took in his hand the two tablets of stone. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. You know that uh, delightful song, I Can Only Imagine? I wonder if when we get to heaven, God will say, or God will proclaim his name to us. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord. Wow. The Lord. A God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. God is good and charitable, but he's just. So God is holy. He's good and charitable. He's just. He's righteous. Turn to Daniel chapter 4. We'll we'll hear the testimony of a pagan king. Wiser than before. You remember the story, Nebuchadnezzar, because of his pride, was humbled by God and driven from man. He spent seven periods of time living as an animal. Verse 36 of Daniel 4. At the same time, My reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my lords sought me, and I I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol 
and honor, uh, and honor the King of Heaven, for all his works are right. His ways are just, and those who walk in pride he's able to humble. Yes, God is holy, he's good and charitable, and he's righteous. But what about mankind? If we move to mankind from the Old Testament, what are we going to find? Well, humans are disgustingly sinful. That's what we'll find. Uh, People are disgustingly sinful in thought, word, volition, and action. They deceive themselves regarding the depth of their sin. I'm good at this. Are you good at this? Uh, We can tell ourselves, you know, we're not that bad. (laughs) <laughs> I, you know, I, I, like to, I like to tell people I'm a nice guy. But inside, am I a nice guy? The thoughts that I have, the things that I don't say that I, would, that I really would like to say, is that being a nice guy? No, not such a nice guy. Um, we wrong our fellow man and we offend God. We are a depraved race. Now, fortunately, we are not as bad as we could be. You've heard that said, but we are as bad off as we as we could be. And we are all lost. Let's read some of these passages. Look in in Exodus 20. Look at the Ten Commandments. Let's start at verse 13. This is the manward side of the Ten Commandments. The Godward side, uh, of course, includes the earlier commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbors. Turn to Hosea chapter 4. Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea. Hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel, for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love, no knowledge of God in the land. They're swearing, lying, murder, stealing, and committing adultery. They break all bounds and bloodshed follows bloodshed. Turn to Micah, chapter 2. Jonah, Micah. Woe to those who devise wickedness and work evil on their beds. When the morning dawns, they perform it because it's in their power, in the power of their hand. They covet fields and seize them. Houses and take them away. They oppress a man and his house, a man and his inheritance. Um, let's talk about God here and, and how man offends God. Genesis 13, 13.
Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. Hmm. It's an interesting phrase, isn't it? We know they were greedy. We know they were perverted. But this verse says they were great sinners against the Lord. Or all of our sins against the Lord. Yes, yes, all of our sins are against the Lord. Yes, 